Good afternoon. From the KTOO Newsroom in Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumry. Bartlett Regional Hospital has named a new chief financial officer. The hospital announced yesterday that Joe Wanner will start the job on November 15th. Wanner has moved back and forth between Juneau and Oregon jobs since 2011, when he became Bartlett's controller. He left to serve as CFO of Wallowa County Health Care District in Oregon from 2013 to 2017, then came back to Bartlett for a year before returning again to the Oregon job. In a statement, he said he was excited to return to Juneau. Wanner replaces Sam Muse, who resigned in August for personal reasons. Former CEO David Keith also retired this summer. Their announcements came shortly after board member and Dr. Lindy Jones told the board that staffing and management problems were leading to inadequate care of behavioral health patients. In late September, the board selected Ian Warden as the interim CEO. Warden is set to start as CEO on October 30th. The Southeast Island community of Whale Pass is asking the state to pursue carbon credits instead of a nearby timber sale. But as Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports, the state says it's going ahead with the logging project. Whale Pass has long opposed a nearby timber sale on state land. The state approved the project this spring to clear-cut nearly 300 acres of old growth on a steep slope behind the town. Residents say it's just too close. A clear-cut right in in the town, you know, directly in the backyard. James Greeley lives in Whale Pass and is a city assembly member. He says residents are concerned about many things. More exposure to wind, messing with the watershed used for homes— affecting salmon streams, and the community's growing tourist industry. No one's really anti-logging out of this whole group. We're just saying, you know, maybe not this timber sale is basically it. Residents have asked the state to adjust the boundaries, but were rejected. Now, the community is asking the state to reconsider the project and seek carbon offset credits instead. This follows a new state law that allows the Department of Natural Resources to develop a system to use the state's forested land to sell carbon offset credits. Companies would basically pay the state to keep its trees intact. Governor Mike Dunleavy, who introduced the bill, said it will generate new revenue for the state. Whale Pass's city assembly approved a resolution supporting carbon credits, and Greeley sent a letter to the commissioner of the Department of Natural Resources explaining their stance that carbon credits would be much more profitable than the timber sale. The difference is, like, insane, really. He says the city worked with the Nature Conservancy of Alaska to come up with the profit estimates. It shows carbon credits, over time, could bring anywhere from about $1 to nearly $7 million, according to various market prices. The state's DNR says they do not have an estimate yet on how much the timber sale at Whale Pass will make. The project went out to auction on October 14th. Nature Conservancy spokesperson Amy Miller says carbon credit projects are a win-win. They create the opportunity for a community to preserve a resource that's important to them and also earn some money in the process. Despite the ongoing opposition, the state is moving forward with the project. No one from the DNR office would agree to an interview for this story. But in a written statement, Commissioner John Boyle repeated what the department has said before that the state's constitution mandates that the department uses natural resources on public lands. Boyle wrote that while carbon offsets present new opportunities, quote, regular timber harvests in our southeast state forest ensures DNR meets that mandate. The two main logging companies in southeast have been asking the state for timber sales. The state's DNR blames the federal government for not supplying logging opportunities on federal land. In February, Greg Staunton, the state's area forester, 
told Coast Alaska that they have to provide old growth logging near communities in some cases. A lot of the land base that we've been charged with managing here is in uh, proximity to where communities are. But Katie Rook says seeking a timber sale instead of carbon credits doesn't make sense. She's with the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council. She's seen the numbers and says it doesn't add up. What will pass sent the state definitively proves that this timber is worth more economically to the state itself if left on the stump. Brooks says there is also the value of leaving the landscape for the town, which is a subsistence community, something that Whale Pass residents were asking the state to consider. The state's response to this proposal, it reads um, angrily. It reads as if the state is, you know, penalizing its own town, town of Whale Pass, for the federal government's lack of supply of timber. And that's unfortunate. Other communities and tribal governments on Prince of Wales Island have also voiced opposition to the project. The state says logging could start early next year, depending on the harvester's needs. Reporting for Coast Alaska, in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. When Alaska's dogs go missing, they usually find their way home, but not always. Earlier this summer, a Sitka dog became a local legend after she was found more than two months after disappearing from the woods behind her home. KCAW's Meredith Reddick has a story of how Stella, the golden retriever, beat the odds, not once, but twice against the Alaska wilderness. Stella Mahoski looks like your typical golden retriever. At age 13, her muzzle is gray and her hips sway a little when she walks. She has a trove of stuffed toys and she likes getting chunks of Tillamook cheese as a treat. If you look close, you'll see a long scar across her belly and left leg. That's one of the only clues Stella gives about her 65 days lost in the wilderness this summer. On July 7 of this year, Stella was lounging on her back deck with her family, Sarah and Jerome Mahoski, and kids Kai and Quinn, when a sudden burst of fireworks sent Stella bolting into the woods. The family searched until dark, but they were certain Stella would be on the porch in the morning. The next day, though, they started to get worried, especially when a neighbor shared some ominous news. And they said, did you hear that there was a bear, that bear attacked a dog last night? We had the windows open in the back of the house, and my wife heard this altercation that sent chills up her spine. And basically, I don't think your dog could be alive. Still, the Mahoskies didn't give up hope. After Stella disappeared, Sarah and Jerome's friends started hiking the trails around where she went missing. Community members reported possible sightings, and the Mahoskies investigated every report. After two months of searching, Sarah remembers telling a friend, I feel like there's a 1% chance that she's out there, and so I cannot let go. In early September, they got one final call from Tim Eddy, a friend of Jerome's who was working at the quarry that day. And said, do you have a golden retriever? And he said, well, we did have a golden retriever. And he says, well, I think this is your golden retriever. Jerome called a friend to watch the kids, revved up the four-wheeler, and drove over. At first, he didn't see anything except an expanse of rock. She was on this cliffside, and it was basically this ash and rock that was the same exact color as her. She totally blended in. The fact that Tim saw her... 
I just kept saying to him, how, I don't, how, how did you see her? Stella likely hadn't been at the rock pit long. There wasn't much in terms of food and water, but the Mahoskies say the sounds and smells of the quarry may have felt like home to Stella. She knows those sounds, and those sounds are safe to her, and they sound like, you know, sounds she's been around her entire life since she was four years old, right? Stella was down to 30 pounds, about half of her normal body weight. She had a wide gash across her left side. So we think she probably hunkered down for quite a while, just probably wasn't able to move a lot and knew that it needed to heal. And she must have, she obviously found a safe space because the fact that she was bleeding and wasn't found by that bear or another bear again is quite the miracle. Miracle is not an exaggeration. The hazards for pets lost in Alaska under these circumstances are myriad, but Stella has a knack for surviving against the odds. In 2015, not long after the Mahoskies adopted her, Stella rode to work with Jerome on a rainy August morning. Heavy rains triggered what now appear to be at least six landslides in Sitka Tuesday morning, prompting the city to declare a state of emergency. The series of landslides that day killed three people and rocked the Sitka community. Jerome narrowly escaped the landslide, but the truck with Stella inside was crushed. He assumed the worst. Then, just a few minutes before rescuers suspended their search due to unstable conditions... Rescuers did manage to pull a dog alive from the debris. Stella surviving a landslide in 2015 could be attributed to luck. Her recovery from the wild in 2023 was luck and something more. Sarah says Stella likely survived by foraging. She has always picked her own berries when we are out hiking. She loves dandelion roots. Stella was on a strict diet for the first 10 days. Now she is eating well and is up to 41 pounds. Fried eggs with breakfast and whatever she wants. Stella hasn't revealed much about what happened during her time away, but Sarah says she hasn't changed much. The only difference, she's a little hungrier than before. Do you want a piece of cheese? <laughs> Do you want another piece? <laughs> Reporting in Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick.